It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people. It's your brother, Chairman Yang Nkrumah, coming with you with Independent Black Talk Radio. Uh, sponsored by and brought to you by the People's Black Panther Party. Listen, today, another show with What's On Your Mind Monday, an opportunity to give everyone to call in to express. Our Monday shows are primarily dedicated to our community life, to what's happening to us as a people, how it affects us, health. Uh, psychological, emotional, um, you name it, social, cultural, economic. We dedicate our Mondays to our community, and this Monday is no different. This Monday we want to talk about and discuss the so-called holiday seasons, how it affects us as an African people here in America. Is it good? Is it bad? You know, you hear um, different things. I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, this is an opportunity, as, as referring to the holiday season, this is an opportunity for people of African descent, black people, if you will. You know, I'm not going to get into the semantics of it, what we call ourselves. But let's just, for the, you know, for the sake of uh, coming together and the, the topic, let's just say black. We'll use black. Um, black people, you know, this is an opportunity for us to come together, for us to eat. This is when we get that opportunity to be off work, you know. And it's not about Santa Claus or any so-called religion, but it's about African communalism. This this has I've heard from many people, and it has its merits. It has its points. I mean, in a lot of instances, it makes sense. And then I've heard from the Indian, you know, you hear from the other perspective of it, um, it's a waste of money, that this time of year is the most depressing time of year, that the suicide rates uh, climb sky high, uh, crime increases, and crime being motivated and inspired by people who feel the need such a strong need to give their children somebody to be able to present gifts on this particular day. So this and this season affects us in the strangest ways. So I'd like to know how it affected you directly, indirectly, how it affected your community, how it affected your family, and what do you feel about it? Is it good? Is it bad? I mean, when you look at one of the things that I'm reminded of is uh, that we are, of African descent, we're Africans here in America, but nonetheless, that part of them being here in America means that we're having an American experience. And if we equate it to act as the devil's advocate or, and to present both sides of it, let's present the side of people who say that, you know, this Christmas or these holiday seasons present an opportunity for people of African descent to come together, to express African unity, to build on the African family to uh, practice a form of communalism and that we should embrace our American experience. Not, 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 hear me out when I say embrace. Not necessarily love the American experience, but embrace the American experience because embracing the American experience, you are embracing an aspect of yourself historically, 
culturally. I mean, we can't deny it. We can hate it and despise it all we want, but you can't deny it. The fact that I'm coming to you, brothers and sisters, today on the radio program speaking English is a testament to this American experience, you see. So when I'm reminded, what I'm reminded of is in Haiti's with the whole voodoo thing, or more commonly pronounced, or known amongst us as voodoo. When you look at where voodoo came from, voodoo was um, Africans who were brought over to Haiti's, brought to these sugarcane plantations and things of that nature, and they had taken the various gods from different parts of Africa. In fact, I think they say Alegba or Eshu, or in, in the voodoo tradition, they call them Alegba, Papa Alegba, uh, was from Benin. Benin. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. And if someone's on there, please, when you chime in, correct us. Um, but he was from that region of Africa. And so you had the various uh, deities, Lewa, they call them, from various parts of Africa. And they call them in, in the Voodoo tradition, they call it Nechan, or nations, Nechan. And so when they came, they had incorporated all of these. African deities and entities, the oppressor made them practice Catholicism. And like us over here, any African, you may take the so-called religious traditions, you may take the religious practices, the religious rituals, but never the spirituality or the spiritual connection to God out of the African. So they masqueraded their deities and their entities underneath these Catholic images. I think, like they say, Papa Legba is uh, St. Lazarus. Uh, uh, they use uh, Ursula Frida, uh, I think, is uh, Mary. So they, on the outskirts, overtly, it looked very Catholic. And they said, oh, these people are so, oh, they're so Catholic. They're just some good Catholics. But underneath, they were acknowledging and recognizing their African deities. Is this not similar to what is happening to the Africans that was brought to the shores of North America, placed under the oppressors? Don't we find in our churches a lot of the rituals and customs, especially amongst that holiness church, the wearing of the white, the catching the Holy Ghost? Isn't that just possession? When they're wearing the white, doesn't that go back to the Yoruba tradition? the way that they shout and do certain things. So is this so-called holiday season any different? Is it really an act of a subconscious act, you know, for lack of better words, of African communalism? Or is it, like the other side, just a bunch of Negroes brainwashed? Have we been so indoctrinated in our oppressors' ways? Have we accepted their customs and their traditions to such an extent that we emotionally go through trauma if we can't participate or if we can't really enact the fullness of the rituals behind their their, their so-called con- con- uh, traditions. I have to, you know, I'm reminded of a group down here that was um, feeding the feeding the, the the less fortunate, not necessarily just the homeless, but the less fortunate in Atlanta during Christmas and three days leading up to Christmas. And one of the things that the they had told me, one of them had said was how sad it was to see 
the children sitting on the sidewalks that didn't receive any toys. And I'm sure that was heartbreaking. I'm sure that was heartbreaking. It had to be. Especially for me, I know it would have been devastating because I love the kids. You ain't going to love the babies. Love the babies, man. You know, I'm like Whitney on that. I believe the children are the future, Jack. So I can just imagine how devastating that must have been. But it led me to think, though, what about the days leading up to Christmas? Are they eating any other day? And is it all about toys? Has it really become that much about consumerism and materialism that parents go out of their mind when they can't give their child a trinket, a toy, a toy? How Have we been that indoctrinated? Have we been that beat down that we really go through these type of changes? These are some, some of the things that, you know, I really want us to think about, you know. I'm sorry. Let me, uh, you know, people who work with me know that I, I can't multitask, so I'm trying to do a couple things at one time. So these are some of the things, these are some of the things that we really need to think about. You know, uh, you know, has it has it come to that? Has it come to that point? And But what I do love is for those of us that are revolutionaries, for those of us that love the community, for those of us that have a love for our people, you find that we don't like to see, that's why I say now we, let's go back to the opposite side of the African communalism, that we find these people who have really jumped into action, that really get, like I said, you know, I have to say that Atlanta Decatur, Black Panther Party, Spent three days out there, coming out of their own pocket, feeding the people, sacrificing to give to the people their own. They weren't so caught up into, these brothers and sisters weren't so caught up into participating to the, to the exclusion, to the turning a blind eye to the masses who didn't have. But how can we have this feeling to extend the other 364 days of the year? This is the question I ask myself. The floor is open. Call in, press one if you like to talk. This is your brother, Chairman Yanga, Independent Black Talk Radio, the People's Black Panther Party. We'd love to hear from you on what's on your mind Monday. How have these holiday seasons affect us? Not just this particular specific holiday uh, of this year, but the years prior, and how will it affect us to the years to come? And then let's throw in the Kwanzaa thing. Let's add this. Let's expand it. Is this just... More uh, black, is this just capitalism in a black form, what we call black capitalism? Is this just a way to, you know, take the dollars out of the hands of corporate America, of white America, of capitalist America, and put it in the hands of black America and black capitalists? Have we, do we still hold to the values and the, the meaning of Kwanzaa, the day? You know, I don't know because I look at, I'm going to tell you when I first realized that Kwanzaa was going very commercial is when, let me tell you something, when this, when this, when this devil, when this Caucasian acknowledges one of your days, you didn't lost that. When I turned on the TV and on the television, the crackers are happy Kwanzaa from Channel 5. I knew that it was no longer ours. When you can go in here and 
the Kwanzaa spreads and the candles and the things for Kwanzaa cost 40 and 50 and $60. All this elaborate Kwanzaa, so people are buying four and $500 of African outfits for Kwanzaa. And isn't, Kwanzaa, isn't the whole thing of Kwanzaa about making your gifts? First harvest, first fruit. You know, and anything that you harvest is what? If you're harvesting it, you're using your hands. Isn't it about reconnection to not just the harvest, but reconnection to the earth, reconnection to, to nature, and then the reconnecting to nature is also because humans are a part of nature. They're part of this natural cycle. Isn't it about reconnecting with your brother and sister? So now that, in my opinion, this is my opinion now, Shannon Yang, that has almost become or has become commercialized. So is it still benefit? Is that still beneficial for us? See, we can put particular names on things, and it can be very African-sounding. But some of the most oppressive people in the world, some of the most people in the world who have suffered from neocolonialism, who have suffered from thinking like they're oppressors, have been African. Look at Africa. Shit, a lot of those countries, those aren't Europeans oppressing those Africans. I'm, I'm not into um, every, uh, 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 all my skin is my kin. You won't fool me with that one again, Negro. You used to get me black folk, black peoples. All my skin is my kin. You won't get me on that one. I understand post-traumatic slave disorder. I understand the effects of neocolonialism in a lot of you Negroes. So you sure won't get me on that one. So when we ask ourselves, we ask about Kwanzaa. Is this just more of the same? We're getting into it. Tonight is the first night, I believe, uh, uh, what is the first night, uh, uh, Umoja, if I'm not mistaken. And like I said, press one and come in, and we we welcome your comments, critiques, criticisms, opinions, or whatever. But I believe that is the first night. Are we going to implement that night? Are we going to go to these celebrations? Have we turned it into religious celebrations? Are we going to go to our nice little Kwanzaa events? And our nice little African garb. Hotel, baby. Hotel, Babarakani. Salaamu Alaikum. Use all these nice words, Swahili. Yeah, I know, brother. Black power. Yeah. Looked apart. This was real nice. It looks beautiful. It's wonderful. I love to see it myself. I love to see the colors and my brothers and sisters African. I love to see it. But anybody that knows Yanga knows Yanga is a lumpy. Commonly transmitted to a lot of y'all. That thug brother. That street brother. If it isn't effective, if my brothers and sisters can't use it as a, 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 a applicable tool to help change the social, economic, cultural conditions that they live in to create better living conditions, then I question, then I question the use of it or the use for it. And this is what Kwanzaa is starting to become. It is starting to, we're starting to replace our colonizers, our oppressors, our slave masters, ways with our own ways in African language, but the intentions behind them are just the same. Therefore, the effects are just as devastating. And this is what we have to question ourselves. So how can we change this? How, and like I said, there again, now let's go to the flip side. There are some people that say, well, yo, Brother Yanger, you're wrong in that, brother. That this is an opportunity that we go 364 days of the year 
and we're bombarded by white imagery. We're bombarded by white holidays that we give our money to the establishment that perpetuates more capitalism, more materialism, that keeps us subjugated, that keeps us down, that keeps the black man down. And this is an opportunity for us to do for self. You sound like that you don't want black people to have money. No, 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 no. Please don't misunderstand that. I think that every person of African descent should reap the labors, the rewards of their labors, be able to eat off the sweat of their brow. But I have a problem with economic exploitation. I have a problem when people see a desire for a disenfranchised, impoverished people. And when I say impoverished, not just economically, not just monetary, not just in money, but in identity and culture. When you see these people starving for an identity and a culture that we exploit them. I have a problem with that. Because this is the same thing that, to me, that the holiday seasons have done have exploited us. Let's go to our phone lines. I believe this is my uh, Minister of Justice, Sister Justice. Black Power, sir, how are you? Black Power, Black Power. I, I Share with us, briefly, what's on your mind? I wanted to briefly just say um, there's a psychological uh, thing that pulls at the heartstrings around this time of year, like you were talking about the the children that were sitting there that didn't have any toys. Um, <clears throat> I recently went to my son's house because I don't celebrate Christmas, and it was really, really hard for me to uh, unplug from the Matrix. It was hard uh, because once you unplug from the Matrix, your family is not coming to your house. They're not coming to see you. <laughs> They're not doing none of those things, but you really get to the point where you start to see that the only reason why they came to see you was because of what you had to give them. So I, I went to his house, and so now uh, this this pagan holiday has been transferred over to uh, my son's house. And when I got there, I seen a Muslim guy and his wife, and he was giving her gifts. And, and then I'm sitting there, and I didn't bring the gifts just on principle, but I got so much. I got so many gifts. When so, anytime somebody gives you two pair of boots, <laughs> then you know that you have definitely um, been overpaid. But in any case, um, I kind of felt bad. I felt bad because I didn't have anything to give. And I think that that is the part that keeps people in that Christmassy type thing. So I also spoke with some of my other family members, and I said, well, you guys know that I don't celebrate Christmas. I do Kwanzaa. And then when you said you're supposed to make things, that's exactly what she said to me. She said about the things you make. So what she was, in effect, saying to me was, well, why should we come there and you're just trying to give us something you made? <laughs> I had no idea that that's what it was. I was like, no, um, we're going to go shopping on Wednesday and blah, blah, blah. But my point is that there's an emotional uh, thing that goes on when it comes to uh, Christmas, there's an emotional attachment for our people to that madness. And then, uh, again, like you said, Kwanzaa, yes. They have um, commercialized Kwanzaa. It has been commercialized. But now I would assume 
that when we get to the point where we recognize we got to make things, we we gonna be in here, you know, putting our fingers to the to the grindstone and you know really hurting ourselves trying to make something that's worth having for individuals in order for them to appreciate us. And I think that once people have gotten to um, the realization that they really need to make something or they really need to get down to the principles. That's when they really need. To, that's when they really would take a look at themselves and check themselves regarding, um, man, I'm really materialistic, or these people uh, really are making me um, buy stuff. And it's really sad. Uh, I just want to share one more thing about how um, I went to a, what is it, a Super Bowl party in the city one time, and I went. And, and the thing is, I hate football. And for me to be at a Super Bowl party, and it was just really the ambiance and everything, but I really had to say, what am I doing here? Is this a damn religion now? So if anything that this society says is what we're supposed to be doing is where people find themselves at it a lot of days, you know, just to be a part of. But, again, when you when you conscious or you waking up, you ask yourself those questions like, what am I doing here? I don't even like football. So Black Power and um, – Shout out to everybody who's really on this grind trying to unplug from the matrix because it's really hard, and it can be depressing. And that's another issue that takes place around this time of the year. It is a manufactured depression that takes place with individuals unless they have a support group of people such as ourselves. Black Power started, and I love your show. Thank you. Thank you, and Black Power. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and all of that's about design. Let's touch on two things that you talked about. One, one, the Kwanzaa, I absolutely love that. It shows the state of our, of, 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 of our being as African people here in America because, like you said, we've gotten away from the handmade gifts. No longer is it the do we look for this uh, sincerity, the intentions. You remember when they used to say it's the thought that counts. No longer do we embrace the knitted, <laughs> our, 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 the knitted booties or socks or blankets or quotes from the grandmother, the macaroni cards from our children, the handmade ornaments. If you do celebrate Christmas, for those that celebrate the handmade ornaments, no longer do we, we have become so materialistic and so in love with our oppressor that if it doesn't bear the name of our oppressor now, mind you, when you're walking around with this Mark Jacob, Louis Vuitton, Ralph Lauren, that you have actually, you know, um, that you feel better Wearing the brand, that's why they call it a brand. That's name brand. It's a brand. You feel better wearing the brand of your oppressor. This is something that I want us to sit and contemplate on for a moment. See, this is why I don't even wear jerseys. You won't catch me in the jersey. Because they told me my uncles beat that in me. And they love sports. They say, how are you going to walk around with another man's name on your back, nigga? They beat that into me. So I, I don't even wear a sports jersey now because of that. Because of the, you know, they have put it so deep in my subconscious, latent homosexuality, without them really saying the words. I just didn't want another man's name on my back. Mm-hmm. Like my last name. So once we start to understand that I'm that they really have got me in such a state that I'm disappointed that I don't have a brand on me, that this is not brand name. I'm not branded. 
by this European, by this cracker, that I can't bat, brag on this being a Ralph Lauren or a Mark Jacob or a Louis Vuitton or something like that. That's the first thing. We have to, we're looking at how they have affected us socially, culturally, that we've gotten away from the intentions of things, the heartfeltness of it, the emotion behind it, the time and energy and effort placed into it, the thought that I'm thinking of you so much that I will take my hands and from these blessed black African hands, I will create something exclusively for you that is unique and one of a kind because it's not manufactured. I don't think that you're a carbon copy or a knockoff. I'm not putting something you can go in a store and every other Negro in your city in Atlanta, Texas, Jersey, wherever you may be, is wearing the exact same thing. That I think this much of you. And secondly, how did we get to this point? How did we get to this point? I personally believe, and I hope this opens the door of discussion, in ritualized magic. I believe that we don't understand or fully comprehend the power that lies within and that we are such energetic and powerful beings as Africans, as black people, that we allow people to misuse that. And they start to get us to perform this, these rituals, this ritualized magic to our detriment without us being conscious of it. And if you do something that's African-related, they tell you, nigga, that's black magic, that's voodoo, that's mojo, that's juju, I don't mess with that. But you do it all the, day, all the time. I was born and raised a Muslim. Spent 14, 15 years in a deep Islamic community called the Dawah of the Salafiyah. Any Muslim, if you tell, ask a Muslim, what is a Salafi? You say, Yanga was a Salafi. They say, Yanga was a Salafi? That's probably the hardest core you can get in the Islamic understanding. And what I realized when I came to my African self and began to acknowledge and revere my ancestors. See, that's the first thing they thought, you ancestral worship. But if that's the word you're using, I don't worship my ancestors, but I revere them. I acknowledge them. I thank them. They say, oh, haram, how could you do this? I say, don't you send salawat. Don't you send prayers and peace upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Hashim Quraysh. Don't you send radiallahu anhu. Don't you say, may Allah be pleased with Abu Bakr, Umar, Radiyullahu and Ha. Don't you say, may Allah be pleased with Aisha, Zainab, Khadija. Don't you say this after your prayers? Yes, I say this, brother. But ain't your name Leroy, nigga? Ain't it Leroy? Before it was Muhammad, before it was Abdullah, before it was Rashid and Haif, and all these beautiful holy names. I'm not knocking the names. But didn't you come from somewhere? And it wasn't from those people, yet they have got you to where you will acknowledge and send salawat and send prayers and peace and pray and study the life of these people at the same time shutting and turning your, your back on your own ancestors, your own bloodline, your own history, your own heritage, 
your own culture and traditions. The same with Christendom. The same with Christendom. Ritualistic magic. They will tell you, stay away from that. That's voodoo. That's ancestral worship. I worship Jesus Christ. Thank God for Jesus. And the rest of the prophets. And Paul, (laughs) read Paul. Read Peter. John said, John 3.16, you're acknowledging and even quoting Hebrew history or quoting Jewish history and Jewish scripture from Jewish wise men, and I'm not knocking it. There's magic in it. There's power in it if it inspires and motivates you to be righteous because there's only one universal principle that can be found in all the wise men. But how do you hold so vehemently, so passionately, so seriously to these scriptures and to these people and turn your back on your own grandmama, your own ancestors? So you're giving up this energy. You're giving up this energy on Christmas. You get the tree and you decorate the tree and you sing the curls and you hold hands and you're sending out love and peace and you're saying the words. You're saying the words, love, peace, happy holiday, which really is holy day, happy holy day, love, joy to the world, love. And you're sending this out. But for what? Not directed towards your community, but directed towards a season and a capitalistic way. And you wonder why they're empowered. They can't beat us. I wish one of them would run up with me. I'd I twist his ear. Boy, I would twist that white boy's ear so I would let them run up head to head. They can't beat us physically. But they can help organize us, and the way they help organize us is by taking our energy and having us direct and devote our energy to their way of life, to their system. This is what this holiday season meant to me. This is why our communities are in such disarray. I've always said that white supremacy, which is no longer called white supremacy, it's called capitalism, but that white supremacy is more enacted and better carried out and held and enforced by people of African descent here in America. Neocolonialism. In Atlanta, we call it Uncle Tomism. Boot-licking, handkerchief-head, buck-dancing, ass-kissing Negroes. That's what we call it. So these holidays, so it's easy to understand how when you get into these holiday seasons, you would be affected by the uh, 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 scarcity, by the people who don't have, because we have invested our energies and our emotions in this season. So you can't help but to be plugged into the matrix because we've plugged ourselves in. And it's socially reinforced. I wish we had a psychiatrist on the line or a psycho- psychologist or, you know, someone that could help us to understand this mental disease, about pack mentalities, is socially reinforced. That when you and I start to break out of the pack and say no, then they say you won't. Like the sister, like Dr. Justice was pointing out, how she saw the Muslim brother giving gifts on Christmas. He's so plugged into the matrix. He's so emotionally attached. He's so 
guided and molded by his social, cultural surroundings and conditions that he's participating. In his mind, he's like, well, I don't participate. I just give the gifts. I just give him participating. And it's not really his fault. He's probably a convert to Islam. Had I not been born and raised in Islam, I probably, a lot of my views would be different. I can only imagine coming up with parents who were Christians and then trying to accept a way of life that is different from that. You're still going to hold on to some of the values. I have problems with new ways of thinking because I was born and raised a Muslim. So when something new is introduced to me, first thing pops up is my social condition, some verse from the Quran, some saying from an Arab. Oh, man, Muhammad said, and still send salawat on, still send peace on him. Muhammad said, alayhi salatu salam. But now I try to balance that with acknowledging and revering my ancestors. This is what helps me to put these seasons in a perspective. This is what helps for me to start to see how destructive certain behavior and practices can be. This is what aids and assists me. And we're looking for and chime in. The number is 646-668-8244. Call a friend. Text a friend. Tell them, hey, listen, jump on here. Whether they're for it or against it, you can jump on here and say, this, 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 guy, this guy is dusting Christmas. Or you can jump and say, hey, man, you really need to check this out. Invite a friend. This is an opportunity. This is their talk show, their radio. I tell you what, we're just footing the bill. For them to come on, for we want you to express yourself. We want to know how we can work in conjunction. How has this holiday season affected you directly? Did you have enough for your children? Did you participate? And it's okay to share with us. First thing we have to learn about this revolution is truthfulness. Let's get away from the BS. Let's get away from uh, um, the phoniness. Hell, if, if we did something, we did something. I'm not even on front. My family wasn't in Georgia, but had they been here, I probably would have went and got me a plate, watched some nieces and nephews open up some stuff. Probably I, I never thought into conversations with my um, um, uh, minister of justice and stuff. I never even really thought about, wow, how plugged into the major side was. They just told myself, you know what, I don't participate. But I was participating. I was lending energy and effort. So is it necessarily a bad thing? Is it something that can be flipped and utilized for the empowerment and unification of us as African people? Can we take this energy and these emotions of this so-called holiday and start to blacken it, for lack of better words? Can we, can we do that? You know, do is 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 will we be throwing out? Is it more harmful? Is it more waste of energy to speak out against it, to down it, to belittle it and 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 and, and browbeat it and downrate it? Or is it something that can be utilized as a revolutionary tool? We understand the thing about being a guerrilla. And a revolutionary is we utilize everything as an instrument of change and, if need be, an instrument of war. This is from the guerrilla teachings. Any true guerrilla, any uh, revolutionary worth, worth, worth their salt 
in revolutionary training and that understands guerrilla warfare understands that principle, that everything should be utilized and can be utilized. For those of us that have Native American ancestry, we understand that, that nothing should be wasted. So is this one of those things, or is it something that is totally, totally or so horrendous and, 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 and destructive to us as a people that it must be blasted against and gotten rid of? And then when we do that, how do we do it in such a manner that we don't ostracize all our people of African descent who have embraced this way? A lot of times I find that we as African people will throw the baby out with the bathwater. When we talk about community life, we'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. We'll be so against something in our knowledge. And, you know, let me tell you something. And let's go back to this Quran thing. In the Quran, there's a saying that Allah has said. He says that you did not differ about a thing until knowledge came to you. I love that verse. I love that verse. You did not differ about a thing until knowledge came to you. Before you thought you knew something, you worked in harmony. You worked collectively. You worked in peace and unison and trying to accomplish and achieve things together. And then you got knowledge, and you became haughty. You became arrogant. You became conceited. You became a narcissist. You became no good. It's what you became, absolutely no good, right? You stopped worshiping God and started worshiping knowledge. I don't know if you heard me or understood what I said. I said you stopped worshiping God, the divine presence, whether that presence or that entity or that energy in your life be masculine or feminine. Whatever you are calling your higher being, you stopped acknowledging that higher being, that almighty all, that encompassing love, and started to worship the thing, the knowledge, the thing that should have introduced you. And you started, when you start, started to worship the knowledge, you begin to compete with one another. Who knew the most? You wanted to debate. You want to argue. You want to do all of these things that aren't beneficial, that don't contribute to the empowerment and the advancement of an African people. And so you find this attitude in the people today, and what's the sad part is in the people whom call themselves revolutionary. It, 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 it saddens me. In a lot of instances and cases, it disgusts me. It, it, it disgusts me. Because you find them in their arrogance and in their, in their self-proclaimed infinite wisdom, alienating ostracizing, criticizing, belittling, browbeating, and downrating the masses of people. You get on there, you have read a little book, and you're alienating them and not getting them to, and, for no, and you're not explaining. You're not explaining. You're not telling them how this is detrimental to their psychological well-being how this affects the community, because you don't have an answer. 
You're a puppet, a parakeet. You're quoting. You haven't given it any real thought to what you're saying. And this is the challenge at the People's Black Panther Party. We're not on here to get on. We don't get on Facebook or the radio to um, promote ourselves or big up ourselves like we're the most knowledgeable. We are really African communalists. We want your participation. Correct me. Talk with me. Build with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Help me. And my prayers are that I can help you. I see we're at a pivotal time in this holiday season. It's, it's, it's a tremendous time. Every time around this year is tremendous. It's pivotal because it is a time of a lot of confusion. Why do you think we have so much despair? Why do you think we have the high suicide rate? Because the people are confused. You have two sides in you combating and battling. You have two people inside of you combating and battling. You have the side that has been made by this American experience. The side that says we should accept this. That this is the norm. And then you have that African side, that very nature, the core of you, that is saying this is not right. But what they've done is since they've taken your energy and incorporated some of your ways, it's confusing because you are a people of compassion. You are a people of joy and unity. You are people joy to the world. That's you. It's your nature. So they've taken that and since they suppress it 364 days of the year and give you a day to allow yourself to um, get in touch with that natural you, that joyous, powerful you, that light that is in you, but when they allow you to express that, you must express it in the form and mode that they have set out for you. Let's go to our phone line. 973-1405, your mic is open. Hello. Hello, you there? Oh, hi. Uh, this is Lisa. Hey, Sister Lisa, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Great, fantastic. Would you? Great. We would love to hear you share with us, Sister Lisa. Well, um, when I think about these uh, times, these holiday times, and um, I happen to consider myself for I'm on the journey of becoming a black revolutionary and I proudly call myself that because um, they have the, the strongest history and the strongest legacy in this country of righteousness and of, um, and of fighting you know the good fight however when I think about these times um, these holidays I, I grew up loving Christmas and 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 the holiday times because my parents made it magical for me. They worked so hard to give me that. You know, they put their life into it. And both of them, they have now transitioned. So I want to honor and to love their memories. Now, I have since become a Buddhist, so my faith is a Nietzsche I've shown in Buddhist. But 
as I look at what is going on in this world today, as I examine this country, as I think about the fact that we will be going into 20 years of overt war, not never mind the covert ones, because we know there are lots of covert wars, but these are the open, overt wars that we know a little bit about, that we see that both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party and their supporters have just sort of capitulated. You know, the U- U.S. was given a mandate for war. We have never been able to get any strong anti-war candidates, or really they don't even have to talk about it. And yet people are dying every day. Last year, 23,000 bombs were dropped at least. And this is under Obama. And when I look at people are living all over the world, but especially, you know, in this country, because this, this is what I know the most, and um, the, the wages are just stagnant. People are homeless. The homeless population is a creation. When I grew up, we didn't hear about homelessness like this. Homelessness is a result of policies, policies that were put in place. When I ask myself, when I hear about all of the um, black people who have been gunned down, you know, the wars that are abroad and the wars that are at home against us, and not one person, not one, not one family received any kind of justice. And I'll just go, you know, according to the last eight years, but it's even been since Obama it's been before Obama, since Obama, and will probably continue after Obama if we don't do anything. So these are things that are so real that make it so difficult for me to embrace the spirit of the season the way that I used to like to because everybody likes to be joyous and to celebrate and to have fun. And a little bit of fantasy sometimes is not always a bad thing. But when I look at what is going on today, it makes it impossible to really do that. And it almost serves as a cover for this country to sort of put a little bit of glitter on their horrible policies because they can always say, oh, gee whiz, goodwill toward all men and, you know, maybe donate some toys to somebody and maybe talk about a food line or whatever. But in the meantime, these Horrific policies have been going on, and so many people have been gunned down and killed with our taxpayers' dollars, you know, going overseas and just trying to basically control the world, imperialism and capitalism and racism, all these isms. So these things, um, they're not separate from this season. And really, I think it is up to us, up to people to say, this is not what we want. And I'm, like I said, my faith is not a Christian. And, you know, as a Buddhist, I could engage in the, in the you know, the very um, non-religious um, aspect of the holiday. Like I like to buy gifts and give them. I enjoy that practice. But, you know, when you haven't had a raise in six years, that makes it impossible to do that. But we have to really begin to look at these things and to really fight to make to make changes in this country. Now, I know if I were a Christian, I'd be fighting with everything in my heart to abolish the hypocrisy that this country stands on. I would be so angry at anybody talking about 
using my faith, using my faith as a cover to promote some of the outrageous atrocities against humanity that this country has done. And we are citizens. A lot of people are citizens of this country. So at some point, we have to really fight hard to say no and to make it so that everybody, whoever wants to celebrate uh, Christmas or Kwanzaa or however people choose to celebrate, but truly make it so that people can have a lifestyle where they do not have to be subjected to the utter hypocrisy of a country that, um, and policies that create so much misery, so much misery for people, and it does. So that's sort of my take on the holiday season. We, and we definitely thank you. Yes, I'm here. And oh, we okay. definitely thank Sometimes you for sharing I, I Thank you. Sometimes I do all this talking and I find out that I've been disconnected. <laughs> I mean, not <laughs> deliberately, but, you know, phones drop and I, and I think I'm saying something and I'm like, oh, my gosh, shoot. I've been disconnected. I was just making sure that I wasn't. Absolutely. And and we appreciate that. And you made a lot of valid points. I think I like one of the things that you said is, you know, how we, we all love to, we get caught in the emotion emotion of it that we love to share, we love to experience a little bit of what I was saying earlier, too, and I agree with you. But one of the things you said made me think about it, too. It, 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 it provides these holiday seasons when, not, um, when you have a people that are not connected to their culture can become escapism. Mm-hmm. It can become a way to sedate yourself, to not have mm-hmm. to deal with, like you said, the issues nationally and internationally that we face not just specifically, I mean specifically for us as African people here in America, but also internationally for all oppressed peoples. This is a time to just forget about that. And when you don't, you know, you look at everybody, see, this is why um, culture is important to us, not just culture for the sake of having a knowledge about your culture or knowing about Africa. That is super important. But to know about what politics should be addressed. Mm-hmm. You see, everybody embraces and takes these holidays, and they use it in a way that affects them. I have a Latino friend, and he doesn't say Merry Christmas. He told me, please, now they die. Mm-hmm. And their, their whole way, his whole way of how they're going into it will be effective and beneficial for his Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. When they spend, it will be spending that empowers and affects this planet because they have the stores to buy. They have a culture that they that they practice. They have foods that they eat and traditional foods that they do. So all of it will still be within the realm of this Hispanic culture and empowerment. Mm-hmm. We use it as a means of escaping our right. reality. But, but, but for me, it almost is, for me it almost is if you live in a country that's doing these things and. You know, I just think about what happens, drop bombs, and the people who are being killed. We don't even know the, we don't even know the numbers of the people being killed due to American wars. It makes it so, mm-hmm. it makes it so meaningless to me. It makes it so meaningless to say, oh, peace and goodwill toward men. And yet this country's at war, invaded countries, invaded countries that did not attack this, the U.S., I think we have to take these things personally. I think we really do because it's just it's just horrible. It has to stop. And then we know the wars that are that happen against us and our communities. 
you know, we know who feeds the prison industrial complex, and we know that so much of the pain that we are confronted with, we hear people almost every single day being gunned down in our communities, either by police or by the internal the internalization of our pain in which we take it out on each other. But this is all so affected by policy, by policy, yeah. you know. And um, we we have to take it personally, and we have to take it. We have to we have to be the change for it. We have to demand the change for it. We have to demand it, and I think we have to take it personally. And people who at least want to celebrate and and enjoy the religious aspect and every aspect of it, I would urge them to fight to make it so it doesn't have to be a hypocritical cover for the United States to hide behind so many of the the crimes that it's committing. So the antithesis of what the holidays are supposed to be about. And I just feel I have to say this, Thanksgiving, I I refuse to celebrate it. I'm trying to break psychologically from that and even trying to get my family to understand because that's basically a celebration of genocide, that it never happened the way that they said it happened, and the indigenous people of this country are still treated horribly. I would love for there to be a day that could truly honestly be celebrated with goodwill toward all men and women all throughout the world and that we could celebrate it with our whole heart without any hypocrisy at all attached to it. That would be wonderful. And I think we should use these times to work toward that. I really do. Well, I think one of the things is I like what you said, that it should be personal, but I think that it has to be personal. We've become so desensitized and detached from the violence that that affects us directly that it's almost impossible for us to show compassion or empathy or sympathy for violence on an international level. See, what's happening is when you can see a man being brutally beaten or a woman being brutally beaten by anyone, police officer, anyone, and your first mm-hmm. reaction is not to intervene, not to step in there and stop the beating, but to grab your phone and to photograph, to take pictures. That shows a disconnect, a detachment to humanity, to the seriousness of the situation, and especially when that person being brutalized is you, looks just like you, comes from your community, is for all intended purposes you and the first thing you do is put it on world star shows a a a a what is it this disattachment you see so when they when we're offered an opportunity to spend with with another thing too when we talk about let's just talk about america and talk about the african here in america Mm-hmm. One of the things in the ten point platform it says as the Black Panther Party, we want a, a a true a knowledge a true history taught that teaches the decadent nature of this society and the black man and woman's role in this society. That I was talking to I have some friends that are not from America and one of the things that they always stress to me is that you Americans are politically ignorant. You're Boy, are they, are they preaching truth? <laughs> they, they say you're fat cats. 
we're so consumed with entertainment and materialism and so caught up in ourselves and so self-absorbed, we don't think anything exists outside of America. I said, you mm-hmm. got to be kidding me. He said, no. He said, here's a prime example. You will come to my country, go into a store, and try to buy something. The first thing you haul out, do you speak English? The audacity. You're in my country, mm-hmm. in my store. And instead of putting forth the effort to learn my language, the first thing you haul out is, do you speak English? So Americans have become self-absorbed. And I think that a lot of why the African here in America does it is we are so traumatized from mm-hmm. our American experience that when we're offered a holiday, when we're offered a, a, a break from brutality, so to speak, when we're offered the gesture of goodwill towards all men and celebrating and eating and peace on earth, when we're offered that, we readily jump and accept it whether it's to our detriment or not, economically, emotionally, psychologically, whatever it may be, we will accept it because we are tired. Mm -hmm. And so I love what you said. Our knowledge not only just has to be informative, but it has to be brought to, and this is what we attempt at the People's Black Panther Party, not only to get the knowledge. This is why I'm so hard on my officers, Dr. Justice and and, and, and the likes, because Mm -hmm. not only must we get the information and get the knowledge, but we have to be able to break it down in such a way and disseminate it to the masses of people in such a way that they internalize it and personalize it. That exactly. It's the same way that they feel they feel about it, the same way they feel about Christmas and not seeing those children receive toys. They must, it must start to bother them. Like what you were talking about, bombs being dropped on people, the capitalist imperialist powers and to break it down, and Wednesdays is usually our political education radio programs, but imperialism is the international uh, manifestation of capitalism. So when these imperialist powers go in there and start to sap the resources from these other countries, we should be able to identify and feel that because we understand how it's being done to us in capitalism, how we're being economically exploited in our own communities. When you step in the community and someone in the store that doesn't look like you taking money out of your community on a microcosm, and we should feel some way about that, and that will help us to understand it on a macro, on a larger scale, on an international scale. But since we don't understand it, but we but are not understanding it does not negate the feelings that we have, we still, you know, in our hearts, feel that something is not right and we're being oppressed and we understand the repression that we're feeling that when they say, listen, you know, we'll call it a ceasefire and call it Christmas. Exactly. We'll call it a ceasefire and call it Christmas. We don't know how to articulate that or we don't understand it in the political realm, but we'll jump on it. Yo, you mean tell me you ain't going to bust my head for this day right here? Listen, ceasefire, go home, eat, spend some money with us play with your babies, and we jump on that. But and it's interesting. We... Go ahead, sister, please. I was going to say it's interesting what you're saying because Frederick Douglass and the narrative of Frederick Douglass wrote about that in these times. And from what I recall, 
you know, he describes he describes so to the T of what this existence was like if you were enslaved. I mean, he described things that I never even thought about that it could affect, you know, your aspect, every aspect of your life. And he said that, um, you know, like once a one, I think one week of the year, they used to give them a little, um, a little bit of a break from being enslaved. A little bit, you know, they would release the pressure somewhat, and that would be Christmas time. And they would, you know, give a lot of people who were enslaved. They would give them liquor, and you know, they would just drink up, and I guess eat up whatever they could, and I guess be merry or whatever for about a week. And Frederick Douglass was like, he saw that that was a necessity for them to do that, to further keep people enslaved, let them feel that there was a little bit of a break, that maybe the master wasn't all that bad. And, of course, many people, and I probably would have myself done the same thing because you want to break any way you can get it. And he said many people would, would, you know, participate and do all kinds of things. And he said, but there were a few who were enslaved that, would use it as time, you know, as a time to build or to maybe gather certain things and to prepare, to try to prepare for the year ahead. So what you are saying is very, very interesting because Frederick Douglass, you know, basically said the same thing that you're saying about how these holidays were used, you know. Wow. Used by I, listen, I, labor, I, I, I'm honest, that must be the spirit of, yeah, I'm, I'm honored by that. I've, I've never read it myself, but it, it, to even be mentioned in the same breath, with Brother Douglas on some things. I don't agree with Brother Frederick Douglas on everything, but some things it is an honor. But, I mean, it's, you know, for the, oh, those of us and, 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 and people like yourself, such as yourself, Sister Lisa, that take the time that to reflect on really what affects us as people, it starts to stick out like a sore thumb. It starts mm-hmm. to become blatant. And we're, you know, so, and then we become, and that's when you start to change that you become angry. Malcolm said that, you know, anger will motivate, I'm, you know, paraphrasing something to this effect, not in these words directly, exactly, but anger is what motivates change, motivates people to make yeah. a change. So you start to become angry. Mm-hmm. And you, and this is the, the, the reason for this forum and the reason for this program. And you might suppress one if you like to join in with your brother Yanger, Sister Lisa, who is, who is, who is being very, offering some very heavy insight. If you would like to participate in this conversation, please press one while we have a few more minutes, and we'd love to hear from you. Like I said, there again, this radio program is your radio program. Uh, my brother, I just want to say, oh, yes. I just wanted to just add one other thing because I got into a very interesting conversation with a, another comrade of mine, a female comrade, you know, African female comrade, black. And uh, we were talking about um, how being a revolutionary or journeying, moving in this way of thinking is an exercise. It's like we have to exercise these muscles. For me, for me, it was a becoming. It was, I remember my first memory of myself as, you know, as a child, somebody was so shy and so timid, you know, about everything. But as you live in life and as you grow, you learn that, well, continuing to be like that is not the best way to be because then you get tired of people taking advantage of you. But um, it is really a becoming. It is a practice. That's the way I look at it. It is about exercising, you know, our 
our revolutionary mindset, our, our revolutionary way of thought, our our revolutionary muscle, so to speak. And, and one way to do that is to put ourselves in the environment of, 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 of these people who are like that. I used to go to um, African Echoes, which is sort of refiled now, but they used to provide so many dynamic lectures, and I would just sit there and listen. You know, just listen to it, not even realizing the importance of what listening to something or to what listening to these kind of talks can do, the impact that it can have on you. To just sit there and listen. Listening listening is a very active thing to do, you know. Yes. And I would yes. just listen. And then at some point, um, you just sort of find yourself uh, traveling that road. But it, it takes practice. It really does. It takes uh you gotta exercise. I, I like to say you gotta exercise that muscle. You gotta exercise that backbone. You know, you have to exercise that and then of course, uh uh being caught up in situations, you know, that'll make you do it as well, like being confronted with police brutality as I was a couple of times. That'll make that'll make you fight. It'll make you sink or swim, you know. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's like I said there again. Um, it goes back to, like you said, the art of listening and somehow making all of this hit home, making all of it to where it's it's very real. You know, what, 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 what we're going through as a people and that our participating can affect the change, that yeah. we can make the change. Definitely. You know, listen, in our, in our last minute, opportunities for people to call in, press one if you like to share, um, if you like to comment and come in, the, I'll open up your mics and we can have, I'm rounding it up, I know tonight is the first night of Kwanzaa, we usually go two hours, I'm going a little shorter tonight to allow people to practice their Kwanzaa celebration or spend time with their families to respect and honor that, those, those, those of us who do participate in it. And but I hope that you will join us Wednesday on with you know on our on our radio program where we try to bring more of the information and to bring a little more of the insight. So, <laughs> so, so oh, please, please. my brother, may I say just one other thing and habaragani uh, to the people out there. I just wanted to just say if I may just talk of, just and make one announcement. Um, I'm with the Black is Back Coalition, and we are preparing for a rally for self-determination in Washington, D.C., January 14th, a Saturday. I know um, Al Sharpton and the National Action Network, they also also have something on that day, but we're not, we're not affiliated with them, and we had planned this before we even knew that they were going to be planning that. But it's a rally for black self-determination. We absolutely believe in that. We say that we must be the answers that we are looking for. We are the answers. And especially in the face of what Trump represents, although the Democrats are not better, they're different but not better, but in, especially in the face of what Trump represents and this so-called uh, the rise or, or, or white nationalists feeling more and more comfortable to, to, you know, take their robes off, so to speak, um, we feel it's even more important to stand up black and strong and to say we will not be deterred and to have a message for the 
um, incoming administration as well as for the outgoing one, but to stand strongly, to stand defiantly as a black organization demanding liberation and letting them know no one will, will take us off track. No one. So this is going to be January 14th, Washington, D.C., Freedom Plaza. And we will be having buses leaving from Newark. Right on. Right on. Back is black. Coalition. Yes. Yeah. Sister Lisa, is there some contact information? Oh, sure. Well, um, if anybody, they, people can go to the website, www.blackisbackcoalition.org. That's uh, www.blackisbackcoalition.org. Or they can call 973-996-8405. Again, 973-996-8405. We have put together a 19-point program. Some of the things that we are calling for is black community control of the police. And we are talking about uh, developing plans to be able to implement this. We are also uh, working on developing um, a plan of action to, to uh, make proportional representation real. Uh, we also are definitely very, very strong advocates of uh, freeing all political prisoners. And um, I happen to be the chair of a child care working group, so we try to do a lot of uh, work around that issue as well. One of those issues is Depo Prevera, and that's how they're promoting deadly birth control into our community, targeting African people globally with the Depo Provera. The Depo shot is what it's known as, and that's one of the deadliest forms of birth control out there. No, the deadliest form of birth control. Side effects is that it can cause cancer, and also it increases a person's chances of getting as well as transmitting the AIDS virus. Wow. All yeah. right. Well, you heard it back as black, sister. I'm listening. I know, and, and, and I'm told that we will have the pleasure of you sitting on um, one of our, on the, on our party's advisory board and just, wow. Um, for those that didn't catch the information, check out the People's Black Panther Party page. We will have all the information up there, the number, the website. Again, that's the People's Black Panther Party page, uh, if you weren't able to catch it this time. And we're going to have Sister Lisa on with us as many times as she wants to come on and our mic will always be open. Let's, let's go to the lines one more time. And I, I'm sorry, Sister Lisa, I cut you. Did you want to say something? No, I'm just going to say thank you so much. And I just want to say habaragani to the people. Stay strong. Stay on point. We got your back. And, um, yes, we can do this for sure. Right, right on. Right on. Black, let's go black to our, love to everybody. Black love. Let's go to these, right. these phone lines again. And let's uh nine one five seven seven seven. I'm not gonna say the last number, I don't usually don't do it. Nine one five seven seven seven. I appreciate that. Thank you, Chairman. <laughs> this is Kim. How are you this evening? <laughs> hey, I'm good. I I asked about you personally, requested you personally. How are you, Sister Kim? Good, good. You what did I do this time? Just curious. <laughs> Um, well, you know, Mondays are community shows. Know that you, you know, you're pretty active in the in 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 dealing with a lot of the young people and stuff from previous conversations we've had on the show. So just want to make sure you be on here and be able to share with us that your insight That's is valuable. Right. Well, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Um, you had a your 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 topic tonight is is just wonderful. I'm I'm glad you hit on it. Um, the holidays in my eyesight 
I think people are the rudest at this time of year. There's a whole lot less love um, than uh, they, you know, they espouse. Um, I see a lot more ugliness at this time of year. Um, I'm not going to call it hatred, but people are not as sweet as they can be. Um, It does something to them. It's almost like uh, how people go offline when the moon is full. It's one of those mindsets. It, you know, there's some sort of a pull to it. Um, and uh, many people experience so many mixed emotions. I know for, you know, my family, um, I was brought up Baptist. Um, my grandfather was Jewish, great-grandfather, Native American. So I had the, the luxury of having all of that. Um, so we took uh, Hanukkah and Christmas and made it Hanumas. Um, <laughs> we did a whole lot of different things. Um, one of the things that we did promote is before even Kwanzaa is we were making gifts as kids, you know, and giving them. So it's not unusual. Um, I think what it is is that those of us who um, have been doing these traditional things like making gifts and sewing and all of that, we need to keep those up and invite other people in to learn um, and to, you know, experience it. And that's some of what I do with some of the youth. Sometimes they'll come over, Mama, what you cooking? And then, you know, I help them cook things. I don't tell them all my secrets because it's none of their business, and that keeps some of the success. <laughs> I kick them all out. Yeah, you can't, you can't give up all your recipes. You know, I kick them out, you know, they peak. But I find that when I do that, they're even more curious about trying to figure out what that is. And, of course, my kitchen will look like a bomb hit it. Of course, they clean it up, but they become enthusiastic about cooking. Um, Last holiday season, um, I didn't buy anything for anyone, but I did make cakes. I have a small wine collection and you know, made baskets and things of that nature, and they loved it. You know, the neighbor to my right of me bought me a huge box of pecans. Uh, the neighbor to the left of me bought me all these hot habanero-type peppers, which I don't eat. I thanked her and said thank you. So we got a little cooperative going here. Um, but the thing is, I was raised with a simple concept, and this is – where I say our men are so important in daughters' lives. You know, from my great-grandfather to my grandfather to my father, they espouse the same thing. My grandmother, great-grandmother, and mother, same thing. There's a saying that they have called move yourself out of the way. And I didn't quite understand that when I was first told that I might have been about seven. But I understood that principle when I was in high school and was doing more community work besides what I was doing. Moving yourself out of the way means basically that you don't look at the problem that the person brings you through your eyes. You look at the problem through their eyes because it's not about you. So I think one of the biggest things that I find when I talk to people is that they're trying to understand another person's pain and suffering through their eyes. Take suicide, for instance. I hear all the time people say, oh, I'd never kill myself. That's selfish. I hear all the ugliness that people have to say about suicide. That's great. 
That's your opinion. That's how you feel. That's what you believe. But when that person comes before you who is hurting, who is in pain, it's not about what you feel. It's about what they're feeling. And I think that's where we mess up because Mm -hmm. we want everybody to think the way we think. And no one's thought process is better or less than. And one of the things that makes a successful advocate um, or a successful human is we accept the person where they're at, not where we want them to be, because that's where that stress comes in. That's where uh, inappropriate support comes in. That's where you say dumb stuff like, well, look at me. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. That's something dumb to say. You know, another dumb thing is, I know how you feel. No, you don't. Stop saying stuff like that because it's not true. Mm -hmm. It's about them because when you say things like that, it makes it about you. It doesn't make it about them. You've completely left them in the – off on the sideline. And that's what makes a successful helper when you can understand them from where they're coming from and you listen to hear what they're saying, not listen so that you can respond. Those are two characteristics and skills that we need to learn. And I will tell you, you can't do either if you are afraid to open up your spirit, not necessarily your heart, and take in their pain so you better understand. And when you understand where they're coming from, you can better help. And wow. actually, you grow from that. You just you grow from that. Yeah. So I've seen people on so many levels, um, things that society would say, oh, you're evil, you're this, you're mm-hmm. that. And it's not that I... Um, role with them is that I understand and now we can work on a solution. Um, there are that, times where what they, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. I didn't want to. Oh, <laughs> it, it just, there are many times I have gone home or closed myself in my office and just cried. That's perfectly human, you know, because yeah. I'm human. I'm dealing with a human I'm not dealing yes. with a man. I'm not dealing with a woman. I'm dealing with a human with feelings and, that, and a spirit. And that's the ticket, returning the humanistic aspect back to our struggle. I, I, I go back again, and I love what you said, and thank you for that. And, and Sister Kim, I wish we came on earlier because we're rounding up our minutes. But, but, but just to uh, echo that sentiment, that it is our struggle has to return back to its humanistic aspect that our movement has to be humanistic. And I would encourage and challenge, since Mondays, What's On Your Mind Mondays, is about our community programs. Here's my challenge coming from uh, the People's Black Panther Party. My personal challenge is, and we want to revise um, what the Panthers had called SAFE, Seniors Against a Fearful Environment. And I've personally been challenged and told that I'm, I'm going to adopt one elderly sister to help at least once a month. I encourage everyone to take on that challenge. Find someone, adopt a family for them. Let's start with an elderly sister, a brother, and adopt that family for the month. Let's put back the humanistic face on our struggle. 
Let's get off to Facebook a little bit, back up from the social media just a tad bit, and get back in the community and do some. Go out there and shake a hand. Do something for a real human being so that we can do that. Listen, family, this show has been wonderful. Um, I would love to continue it. But you know our, our schedule. Catch us on Wednesdays again at 8, and we can do it all again. We can share one another. I thank everyone who called in who listened, the people who participated, Sister Lisa, Sister Kim, as always. Love you for calling in. Thank you so much, Dr. Justice. Appreciate it, Sister. Appreciate it, Queen. Thank you for who hooks up the graphics and does all the good work. It's a very big motivation. Everybody that called in, I want to thank you. Um, Listen, catch us, like I said, there Wednesday at 8. Go to the People's Black Panther Party page to check out Black is Back. Black is Back, baby doing it big in Washington, going up there. They're not sharp. Oh, Al Sharpie Sharp is going to be up there, but they're not. It's not the same movement. But, yo, check it out. Participate. Get in. If you don't, I would love for you to join us at the People's Black Panther Party. But if you're not feeling us at the People's Black Panther Party, join any progressive black movement. Be active. Be active. Join any progressive black movement. Get out there. Lend your support, your energy, your effort, your prayers your time, whatever, man. We all we got, we got to stick together. Y'all know all the sayings, so I don't have to go over them to be redundant, but it is what it is. We can do what we put our minds to, what we believe. We can achieve it. I, I Listen, I believe in each and every one of you Africans. I believe in you, and I love you from the bottom of my heart so sincerely, so sincerely, and we can do whatever we put our minds to. With that, I'm going to say good night. I hope that you're blessed. I pray that the new year coming in brings prosperity and success, brings us one more step towards our freedom and liberation, empowerment and advancement. And I'm going to end as I always end. All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.